0: Hey, this is Stevie. This is Hathal. This is Apologies Now. Welcome back. So see, we have a really special guest today. Yep, I agree completely. So folks, for whoever's listening, we um, are in a fortunate or unfortunate position right now to, to talk about what's going on with this pandemic that's ravaging the world. And we've got a emergency department physician that's on faculty at the medical college, Dr. Sissy DeMent with us.
1: Sissy, should I call you Sissy or Dr. DeMent? I'm not sure. Dr. DeMent.
0: Mommy. So for folks that don't know, Dr. DeMent has to tolerate my podcast partner here, Stevie, at home on a daily basis. Well we
2: we share him as partners. That's kind of odd.
0: That is odd. In different ways. Luckily. Shower, wash your hands. <laughs> so we wanted Dr. Dement on the podcast as soon as possible because she is living this pandemic day to day literally on as much of a front line as you can be on Correct. And I'm hoping that Doctor Dement, can I call it? I can call you Sissy on this. Please I do. hope back to normal. Please okay. Do. So and so, uh, Doctor Dement, for the rest of you that are listening, I guess. But for me, Sissy. That's for it. you, baby. Baby. Okay. So if I if I
1: call her baby, do you think that will be strange for the podcast?
0: Doctor Dement, Sissy. What do you think?
2: It depends on uh, who's listening, I suppose. Okay, Fair baby. enough. All right.
0: As far as I know, I think just. To, Two of us and my dad. Listening. I want to ask her just a, a very brief, simple question. Okay.
1: What is she thinking on the way to work in the morning?
0: Well, hold, well, hold on real quick. Before before you answer that, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? okay? My understanding is, okay, you're on faculty at the medical college in the Department of Emergency Medicine. Yes. You have been doing this for a while. We've known each other for I want to say since 2007 oh, at University Hospital yep. is when we met, and uh, and so you've got the experience. My understanding is you are currently uh, staffing the uh, the COVID unit in the emergency department. So for people that don't necessarily know what that means, uh, I want you to explain in more in detail. Well, basically, you're identifying people that might have the infection, and you're quarantining them, if you will, in the emergency department, and you have to have a certain number of people seeing them because you don't want too many people seeing them and exposing folks. And you happen to be one of the people that are in that unit.
2: Yes. Okay. So the way our, the way our emergency room is operating right this minute, which is certainly something that's in flux, um, is that patients who are deemed to be high risk of having this virus at triage are moved directly to our part of the ER, which is a separate separate unit. The concept of negative pressure is actually really important because it, it means that the patient goes into a room and then the, the room actually doesn't put out any air into the environment. The room has a vacuum, not really a vacuum, I guess, but a fan that actually draws... Into all air into the room mm-hmm. so that the patient's cough is actually never distributed out into the rest of the emergency department. Mm. So for some of my shifts I do spend my entire shift in that area of the emergency department. Our hospital has really been really great about preparing for this and and setting up the emergency department ready to deal with these people.
0: So without getting into engineering which by all means do it if you know I definitely don't know. How does a How does an ED, and we're jumping right into this, and I want to go back to what Stevie asked. No, 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 no. but I want to. You brought up a really wonderful question that I want to kind of go back to. But uh, what is it? Just a bunch of machines that make it negative pressure? It's people. As far as the negative pressure piece.
2: So it's it's hospital um, physical plant and it's maintenance and it's engineering and these people worked crazy hard for a couple of weeks to transform this whole facility where we have our emergency department um, and a couple of extra other spaces in the vicinity to to transform them into spaces optimal for the public to come for their emergencies.
0: I haven't been. I left faculty there in 2007. I, I remember, so, I, so I'm pretty sure that the emergency department for the medical college, at least for our area, is the biggest one. And so how much of that is allocated specifically for this right now?
2: So, our whole hospital has been focused for a couple of months on trying to make sure that the whole um, healthcare system is ready for this. Interesting. So, it's, it's people, it's engineering, as I said, it's, it's maintenance, it's housekeeping, which is critical, housekeeping, which is really critical, and um, the clerks and the registration and then making sure we have enough ICU beds and... Everything. Everything. It's pretty amazing.
0: So you were saying what what does Sissy think about going into this? I think we just
1: I mean, that was, she kinda of boiled it down right there. Um, but what I'm asking is what is she thinking when she first gets up about what is the main thing that's on her mind before she gets to work considering mm-hmm. this epidemic?
2: Or pandemic pandemic pandemic. Yeah, that's yeah. the right word. Um you know that's part of what we just, what the three of us actually just expressed was we accidentally said the phrase epidemic. And unfortunately for all of us and for the rest of humanity is that our world is facing a pandemic. And that's not a word that we're used to say, used to hearing and used to saying, you know, in medicine, I know, Hethel, you and I have, we've learned about epidemics and pandemics and we've learned the history of other pandemics, but we've never actually literally faced it. So that concept you have to keep putting that forefront in your mind is that this is not Augusta versus Columbia, South Carolina. It's not black versus white. It's not Republican versus Democrat. This is the entire planet of humanity that I'm going in to work towards.
1: I, I, feel, like these, uh, I feel like these facts or these, these guidelines are kind of beating, your, uh, beating a horse or a dead horse. But what exactly do we do? Stay clean? Wash your hands. People, people th- you mean in general? Yeah, yeah. What do,
2: I mean, what do people do? Uh, Go ahead. So you know, if, if we're talking about the average, the average American who's home trying to self-isolate, the most important you could, thing you, that you can do is to actually just stay away from other people, to wash your hands as frequently as possible, to wash your hands as p- frequently as possible, to wipe down and cleanse the surfaces in your environment um, like your doorknobs and light switches and toilet handles and door frames. Um,
1: what about the masks? I, mean, I see where, uh, I think today, California just uh, made, uh, they're enforcing people to wear a mask in uh, public or they will get a $1,000 fine. You, That's anyone, pretty did aggressive. You did y'all see
0: this? That is, and uh, it's going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So you wake up in the morning or evening because I know you're working all kinds of crazy hours right, right now. Um, you're gearing yourself up, Stevie. You're there as well.
2: Give him a kiss on the cheek.
0: Give him a kiss on the cheek. Individual. I guess, and you, home. you go in and 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 I. You have to prep once you get there, right? I mean, because you're you're wearing all the the garb. You know, I I don't want to get too much into this from my standpoint, because I've been rambling on about this. I want to know your your uh, On my way into
2: work, I think about, you know, just kind of trying to get focused and know where I'm going and be very present in that moment. Um, And knowing that whatever I walk into is what I walk into. So whether it's really busy when I get there or it's kind of mellow and an easy start to the day, um, I know that I have to make sure that um, as always I take great care of my patients but also great care of my staff and let them know that I'm there with them in this deep dark place that we are and I've got their back, I know they have my back, I've got some great great staff working with me from for example the housekeeping to the crossing guard, the clerks, the nurses, the pharmacists um, we're a team so I, I kind of get into team mode by the time I get there.
0: Is there like a check-in thing? kind of?
2: At our hospital, when anyone walks up to enter the building, in fact, there are only a couple of ways you can actually get into our whole building complex, I think. Um, I have to have my temperature taken and make sure I don't have a fever. And I have to sanitize my hands. And then I get into my spot, and I get signed out from the other doctors who are leaving. And I wash my hands appropriately for kind of a long a long hand wash for the first one. And then put on my foamy tape across my nose so that my masks don't bruise my face. And I put two layers of masks on, an N95 mask that seals really, really tightly to your face, and then another mask to cover that one and keep it clean. Put on a hair cover. Um, Our community actually has been really great, and um, lots of different churches and individuals have helped to provide sewn hair covers for everyone in the ER, which is really kind of cool, and masks and um, gloves and sometimes other other cover gear. How do you feel about
1: this, the supply of those gloves and masks right now?
2: Um, I know that our hospital has a supply, although I am seeing, as odd as it sounds, kind of different brands of gloves that I don't usually see, um, which may be that they're kind of pulling from different areas to make sure that we utilize all the sources that we have. Um I know that I know that our ER administration is on top of that issue. Um, I think that there have been lots of different mo- um, movements in the community to help to help us with that, for example, like the people making the hair coverings, the things that we need to different GoFundMe groups that have actually allowed the public to contribute even a few dollars that helps to make purchases for us for gloves and N95 masks.
0: So you get there and and you do check in, and uh, I think it's worth mentioning really quick, just to to folks that are not in the medical industry, something Stevie um, was asking about, which is specifically um, back to the masks and what do we do about this and all that. But even, even you or I right now, if we go into our respective hospitals, we're getting our temperature checked, just like we're doing to folks that say they might have Everyone. some symptoms and all that. And so, just so folks know, and and not to beat a dead horse like we've been doing, I think I've been saying this nonstop, and everybody else has. But the whole stay-at-home thing is real. If you're not. very yes. real. Yeah, if you're not if you're not feeling horrible, stay home. You know, if you're afebrile, that means you don't have a high temperature. Stay home. You know.
2: Yeah, the, I think the scary part of that is I'll just. I don't want to again. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but people may not understand why we want them to stay home. Um, every everyone who stays home is not is not infecting someone else, and even if you feel fine, all of our statistics and research, which is worldwide or planet wide, I'll say that, um, is that we do know that there are people who are minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic, and they are spreading the disease even to people they love and people that are friends and neighbors, coworkers, and they're completely unaware.
1: What did you say earlier of something about a, a mass spreader, or what was that earlier? That, that a super turned, spreader. A super spreader. Oh. That,
2: that was actually just a reference, and I was, I was glancing through an article, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I, I do know that we are aware that there are people who are minimally symptomatic that are spreading the infection. And we we don't want you to be one of those people, and we don't want you to run across one of those people.
0: I feel like every day is Groundhog Day. I I have a hard time remembering what day of the week it is now. I, I, me too. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, I I will say that uh, I've been going in literally every day, you know, and so so if I'm not seeing patients. Um, i'm going in anyway uh just to assess identify help disposition who might be are they also
1: testing you whenever you go into the library? no
0: day? no it'd be it'd be wonderful i mean we've been talking a lot about that and i'm sure on your side you so see you guys have probably been talking about it like for in singapore for example they're testing their healthcare workers every few days i think it might be 5 Shouldn't days they? It would make a lot of sense because cause we, unfortunately— About every
1: shift? I realize how expensive that must be.
0: Well, so it's not so much of an expense thing, unfortunately, right now, as much as having— and, and things are different, by the way, for probably you at the medical college uh, compared to me, but uh, a lot of places, and it may be the same for the MCG, but uh, it's a matter of having enough of the medium to do the testing. Correct. You know what I mean? I I I, I would be I, I would fathom think that any hospital in the country would be uh, very open to the idea of testing everybody that walks through those doors. You know what I mean? That would be yeah. great. Yeah, but that's, that
1: would be the perfect world, right? Absolutely. Perfect world is no sickness, but
0: um, yeah, 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 and um, and other countries, have been able to I think do some form of that. I think you
1: know. What are the? T- how long are the tests taking now? Or the results anyway?
2: Our our turnaround right now for the tests we're using at AU is within a couple hours max. That's pretty good. With amazing. logistics of getting the order in, the nurse getting the swab, sure. sending it to the lab. The human the oh. human um, element human is still there.
1: Mm. how accurate are they?
2: Uh ninety-nine percent specific uh sensitivity.
0: So we're talking about the screening test. Right? Right. Okay. And so so People get screened, and in general, I think uh, without getting too far into the weeds from a science standpoint on the, on, on all this. Good, thank you. Typically, typically, uh, typically the screening piece is quick. It should be quick. It, it should be sensitive. Um, then we are sending any of the ones that we identify. I'm asking the question. Mm-hmm. Okay, that the, okay. The screening test is positive for this person. Then we're confirming. That, right? Right. Yes, our
2: swab is, the swab that we do, that we run at AU is 99% sensitive. Wonderful. From from my understanding. Okay, all right. And Uh, that takes a little under two hours.
0: Oh, wow, okay. All right. So when you go in there, I mean, you're seeing uh, people coming in, obviously, um, quite frequently, and and you may have specific numbers, and if, if you don't, it's fine, but more and more people seem to be coming in um, that are uh, positive. This uh, we're, we're hoping, I think all of us are obviously hoping, that uh, New York or uh, New Orleans is not coming here, and I truly believe I don't think we'll have anything like that. Hopefully not, for sure. Hopefully not, right? But um, there's an increase frequency, I think, for sure, over the last week. Would you agree? Or
2: Yes, for sure. I mean, Georgia now has... Actually, for my morning update today, we have 7,558 cases in Georgia, 294 deaths. Um, overall, the United States is 429,000 patients positive.
0: So there are people that still, I think, I've, I've encountered that think that this may just all be a bunch of fluff.
2: And yeah, I, I would think that some of our data is, is permeating the main population, I guess, so to speak, so the non-healthcare population. So, you know, I live and breathe this problem every day, and I talk to patients who are getting ready to intubate or put on a ventilator and, you know, try to find out who their next of kin is to talk to them because they'll, they won't see them again if they die. So I, I can't imagine how someone who could actually open the Internet... At any at any venue, and be convinced that this is a hoax. I mean, I work at an academic institution, and we're we're very enmeshed in this. So um, it's it's worrisome to me to think that there are physicians in my community or elsewhere that don't understand this. I mean, when, when I may see a patient who has a gallbladder infection or a heart attack, and they may actually be COVID positive. So. Our specialists, you know, our surgeons, our cardiologists, and those people actually have to also interact with this patient. So, you know, we're, we're all educating each other on how to deal with that, but the fact that a physician would not appreciate that this is real is mind-boggling to me.
0: So some of the, so the medical specialties are definitely seeing this firsthand. Even subspecialists are seeing it because people like me are calling them and. Into- deal with whatever, people like you are calling them in to deal with whatever. Uh, Some of the surgeons, I think, have have not necessarily seen um, this problem firsthand. Um, They're
2: a bit distanced from it, I think. I think that within the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, and certainly the rest of our foreseeable future through August, September, those same surgeons and other excellent interventionalists are going to have to consider this as they take these patients to the operating room or for procedures, because when you intubate them, which means putting somebody on a ventilator, how long or, does
0: that take? What's that? The intubating. To intubate someone.
2: The physical act that's, takes like mm-hmm. 45 seconds, mm-hmm. but if it's a COVID patient, getting ready for that takes the, the whole process from end of, from beginning to end is an hour and a half.
1: With all the dressing and undressing. Dressing.
2: It was called donning and doffing. Oh, the dressing and undressing of the so the year
0: not to jump around all over the place uh but uh sorry no 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 no. i'm talking I'm, I'm, i was about to ask a uh i was about to ask a question that i thought of but uh these uh so anyway hopefully hopefully everybody's taking it seriously and I, i'd like to think that the medical community definitely is and if they're not they're soon going to be because i think it's you know if, our, if if there are medical
1: community if there are people in the medical community right now that don't take this seriously how can you blame people that
0: aren't well and that's why it's great to talk about this i feel yeah. like yeah. hopefully hopefully somebody else besides the three of us my wife and my dad are listening I
2: well, as a <laughs> I, I don't want to interrupt but as a practical as a practical concept of that these surgeons are not in there with with me in the er unless there's a trauma for example so we we don't see the the surgeons right in the, the most recent few days um, in the emergency department a lot. But uh, as I said, over the next weeks, months, you know, up to six months, 18 months even maybe, we're still gonna be faced with this virus as a medical community. And so when you take these patients to the OR and intubate them, for example, like, then that process actually aerosolizes and creates a lot of droplets and aerosolization of their secretions and puts that into the environment. So the surgeon standing at the bedside, the anesthesiologist, the OR nurses, the scrub tech, all these people are actually exposed. And that's a serious, serious problem. That's gonna be with us for the next foreseeable year, year and a half.
0: Now we've been dealing with that daily, literally both of us, but I'd, I'd even go a step further, say if this becomes a seasonal issue and if this viral infection routinely year after year has anything similar to what it looks like it's doing right now, it's going to end up becoming a a normal part of assessment and dealing with it, and so I think everybody eventually will, I think, become fairly knowledgeable about it, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I think that it becoming a seasonal um, problem is very, very optimistic (laughs) and a best-case scenario. Okay. Um, at this point, we don't know that it's going to stop with the heat in the summer like we do typically with the influenza.
1: What do you think about the second wave
2: i th- I think that that's inevitable. We have lots of people being uh being good about their self isolation. um a lot of people are not, but some of those people who are self isolating may be asymptomatic carriers, and if they lift the um, their restrictions in our state or our neighborhood or Our environment, then those people, too soon, then those people are gonna pop back out in the environment and start infecting others and we'll have another wave. And that's actually in emergency medicine something we've considered and tried to be prepared for that and to continue this surge of needs um, for the next weeks, months, and year. So
0: you're thinking that uh, it may not be similar to a flu or a cold? like that. It might just end up well, cold actually would probably be a better analogy. It might just happen. We don't know yet, but I, I, that may I be I
2: think I don't I don't necessarily think that. I'm just saying the two opportu- the two options are that it becomes a seasonal event like the influenza, which would be great because then we could plan for it, work on our vaccine, and it would which means there'd be a period of time in which we don't have this horrible thing. Sure. Um if it but we don't know that it's going to be seasonal. If it's not seasonal then it's ongoing Mm -hmm. continuously Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. bad um you
0: can almost put your lips up to it when you're talking yeah Yeah. i don't need that from you (laughs) um so uh so (laughs) um i'm not gonna cut that out Um, (laughs) so okay um Back to, I, I want to, I'm trying to paint a picture for myself as well as people listening because I have been going into the emergency department to essentially to get these people and take them upstairs and, and manage them, but I don't know the complete chaos that you've been living through, mm. you know, and I don't think anybody else does unless they've been in the middle of it, and I I, I want folks to hear it and I think appreciate what that is and and what kind of resilience I think you have to have. Yeah.
2: What, do, what do you think people need to know? I think that the word chaos that you mentioned, Hethel, is really important. Um, in the emergency department, it's every day is controlled chaos. So every day there's something different, something more, and things that you could never imagine that you have to deal with. but we have systems in place for dealing with these things because there are things that we've been dealing with for weeks, months, days, years, millennia in emergency medicine. This is something that we haven't dealt with before. So we're trying to establish new patterns, new methods, new medications, new techniques, new machinery, new devices, actually, to deal with this. So everyone around you 24-7 is, is thinking how what, what's best. How can we do this? What's the best medication? We can't use that one. We should just use this one. Can we modify this technique? And the general public, as terrible as it sounds, cannot and probably should not know how crazy and terrible that is. But they, the thing they should know is that Every emergency medicine physician, nurse, clerk, respiratory therapist, paramedic, fireman, police we're all trying as best we can to put ourselves out there in the front to figure this out for the American public and the the for us public of i mean the humanity on this planet. we put ourselves out there to try to figure this stuff out.
0: I've found it. I, I think about this routinely. You can't help not think about it nonstop. But it's really interesting to me. And uh, I say interesting a lot at work, and it usually means something bad, you know. But in this, like in this case, it's really interesting in a good way to me that we're coming together on a level that I've not ever experienced um, on trying to figure this out, whether it's on a Ground level, how do we get results out quicker, disseminate it to people? How do we uh, educate the staff, educate the public, all of that? And uh, it's really interesting to me. I I feel like I was saying this analogy earlier this morning that uh, in, in, in wartime, technology really kind of moves yes. forward and isn't and this to me this is a really good
2: war times the war times production act and that what Trump was Mr. Trump was supposedly Sure sure sure, sure
0: No but aside, yeah but he no, hasn't I'm,
2: enforced it yet but
0: but I'm just talking about the intellectual capacity of the public gets revved you know redlined in a time like this where smart people start figuring out solutions that then really impact life downstream you know, and I feel like we're at that place right now. I don't know that we are. I'm just saying that it's really interesting to me that people are coming up with all sorts of solutions, and the it's 3D, beautiful. 3D printing.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Printing. That's
0: right. That's right. Um,
2: yeah, th- locally, I think that's great. And with the, Within our department, I've seen that, and I've actually seen that across the world of emergency medicine doctors on some blogs and those kind of things that I follow. I certainly wish that it was more... Um, humanity against the virus as opposed to us versus the Chinese. And or us
1: versus us.
2: Us versus us and Georgia versus New York. What's our, what are our numbers and those kind of things? Us, I just wish... Uh, Republicans versus Democrats. I really just wish this was more humanity versus the virus. Georgia forever.
0: So... Georgia uh, <laughs> um, think I think we're getting there. Um, do you think... That, um, you know, so so, SARS in uh, 2003, you know, yes, according to the CDC, around 8,000 ish, 8,000 and some change cases, 700 and some change deaths across the world. We're looking well over a million cases now already, you know, um, 700,000 plus deaths already.
2: I was, I was in emergency medicine during the SARS and MERS epidemic or right. illness, and I never saw that. Maybe I saw it and I missed it, didn't appreciate the extent of the illness or the condition, but I, we never actually faced that in our community.
0: I don't remember uh, even, I don't remember it being a blip on my radar in regards mm-hmm. to kind of thinking about it.
2: Ebola is the, probably the closest thing because of its severity. Right. And it did touch our state. Right. Um, we had people from Atlanta that went to collect people for, with Ebola. That's right. Um, but you know, Ebola is such a horrible thing, um, profoundly contagious.
0: I guess I'll ask, what, uh, do you think that this will change healthcare in the United States?
2: Yes, it will change life on the planet. So
0: how let's so let's start with healthcare in the United States because it needs to, it needs help, obviously. Um, what do you think? You think uh, you think docs get a little more, a little more respect? Patients get a little more access? Um, all of it? Some of it? The health insurance companies um, maybe back off a little bit. Where where is this going? Uh, I hate and, to
2: even go there with the health insurance comment. Um, I think that right now we're seeing the kind of a calm before the storm in our environment here in, in this part of the state, because we haven't yet hit our peak for cases. We're having the opportunity to prepare, for, prepare for that. So, thank goodness we've we've listened to the people in New York and New Orleans and Seattle. Um, and some other areas that have had this horrible experience, so we're preparing. We're seeing a drop in overall emergency room visits. So we're not seeing the guy who comes in, who sprained his ankle a couple weeks ago and needs a work note. Because he knows better to come in. He knows better to come in. Or somebody who's had an earache or a toothache for a week. Or somebody who has chronic arm pain or chronic abdominal pain those are patients that have real experiences and they they have real needs for health care they're not necessarily emergency health care so we're actually seeing a drop off in those visits so my my hope would be that good for healthcare. you
0: no drug seekers
2: there are always people who want medications but
0: it, i agree with you though steve yes. it has settled down yeah. a little bit yeah. for that me for sure yeah
2: so i think the people are seeing that 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 maybe the emergency room is, maybe, maybe they'll see that the emergency room has a a real need to take care of specific problems, not just every problem. In emergency medicine, we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot and that we're good at most everything. So primary care doctors, surgeons who operate on patients, um, other clinics, they say, oh, just go to the emergency room, everything will be fine, they'll take care of it. Well, we we can take care of everything. That's great. What's great about us, but we're not supposed to take care of everything. We're supposed Agreed. to take care of emergencies, and we are faced with emergency right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: sure, sure, sure. So interestingly, the ICU right now is uh, only uh, everybody in there is just sick as stink. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, so uh, real, real yeah, ICU, real r- to care. E- everybody on. The medical service, kind of across the board, it's empty. It's empty. It's empty. Oh shit, folks, we got to take a quick break. Uh, Where were we? Where are we? We were talking about how this pandemic might change healthcare. So, so not the, and we can talk more about this, I think in the future as things evolve, but, but it's interesting to me that we are doing some of the stuff now, uh, that I think other countries have been doing for a while. Um, and, and I don't want to start rambling on about how much stuff we, um, Overutilize um, so many things that we consider disposable and that sort of thing. That now we are as a as a country and as a healthcare industry really reassessing because we've got to make sure that there's enough uh, material. You know, oh. uh, the masks, for example. You know, yes. I mean, so anyway, um, more to come on that. I think unless uh, either one of y'all want to want to talk more about it, but really. I think that it's going to have a profound impact on how the country looks at healthcare utilization, uh, how clinicians, LPNs, RNs, PAs, NPs, physicians, radiology techs, just anything and everything. How how we are perceived, um, and um, I hope that trickles down to just a little more caution from the government when they make decisions on our behalf. And I, when I say "our," I'm talking about the clinicians and, right. and the healthcare workers. So,
2: I think that they've been recently been making some decisions on our behalf and put it putting us in the um in the. Target, no, the putting us in the kind of the highlight of what's happening in our country, and maybe speaking for us or judging for us. And like you said, I'm hoping that, that gets better. Um, you know, one thing I'm one thing I'm concerned about is the. You mentioned how the government perceives us and how the primary the general public perceives us, and I'm worried about how all these people in Georgia who are infected, the rest of of our world, actually, but our people in Georgia, how they're being affected by this um, when they have a mother or an uncle or a sister who has this infection. There are a certain number of these people who need to be admitted to the hospital. There are a certain number of those people who need to be admitted to the ICU. But there are a lot of people that we're telling to just stay home, and how, how are those people dealing with that?
1: I see this uh, from a totally different perspective in that I think this is an opportunity for families to get closer together and be safer. I understand you two guys are, y'all see it from a medical medical perspective, where we're in danger, We're gonna make sure that we're safe. But I'm looking at it from the new opportunities for us as families, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters for us to get together to work through something together.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's mainly it's uh, it's uh, really it's, it's a difficult situation just because uh, people have to keep some degree of distance.
2: The I think the CDC and the CDC and some of the other organizations who are really trying to help us power through this as general public. Which I'm st- I'm a phys- clinical physician in the ER, but I'm also still just a person with a family. Um, the people who are trying to help us through this are telling us to make sure that we have a sick room at home, to make sure that someone in your family, if they get sick, that there's a place designated for them to be where they have their own bathroom. They don't share any bathroom facilities with anybody else in the family. You made me do that when we got married. That's true. That was a separate contract.
0: You'll sign contracts.
2: <sighs> kind of.
0: So... All right. I'm a little so. Not to go back and forth, but I'm a little worried about that right now. Honestly, I mean, I've uh, having people. You I know have a, what,
2: ten kids or something? Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, so with all the all the kids, I mean, uh, and and Morgan's been, you know. I mean, she's been... She's still going to work. She's sort of kind of gone to work, and she's doing a lot of telehealth, you know, uh, or, or kind of the, her practice is really implementing that. And so, but we were having real discussions about, let's just say that I uh, come up on a high-risk... That's legit. ...encounter, yeah. I need to I need to uh, have some sort of plan as to what we're going to do. Yeah. But. Uh, well, right now, we the the intent, I think... We have is that if and when that happens, I just leave, or you know what I mean. I mean we're we're kind of between homes right now, yeah. and we're going so, so yeah. I just uh I, between homes. people think so. I'm where homeless. where, are, you <laughs> where so, are you leaving to? So uh, where are you to? Where are we moving to? Yeah.
2: You said you just leave. So where are you? No, no. what I was about yeah. to say, so
0: just is for people trailer? listening, we In are not. Yeah, zone? we are currently shed, not homeless. Shed
2: um, bound house.
0: <laughs> so. Edgefield. We've got uh, we've got another home that we're renovating. just going to go live there in the salt. Importantly,
2: to know about that is that you're once you actually have symptoms, you probably have been infective. You've been contagious. Right. Excuse me for right. my terminology. You've been contagious for several days. So, you know, making sure that you, as a clinician, when you're going home to your family, that you you know maintain you know really good. Um, self-hygiene and your clothing and those kind of things need to be swapped out or, you know, wash and bathe and those kind of things. But it's just a, a, just a person, if you develop someone in your home with suspected COVID virus, you need to have a separate living space. Don't share dishes, utensils, towels, bathrooms, sinks, nothing like that. A completely separate environment. And the people who help you through your terrible time with this virus, that they wear a mask absolutely every time they deal with you, that they wear yeah. gloves every time they deal with you. So this is a really important thing to help keep this virus from spreading through the whole family.
0: I'm completely, I'm, I'm literally derobing right when I get over, when I come I do, home. Not
2: I, now. I, I not, no, do, no, do that now Honestly. though, not now. It's
0: so funny when you do that. So, I got to remember that people can't see us, that they just know, hear us, right? Yes. So, when I come home It's, hard, it's so from hard to talk through this work. face mask,
2: too. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, when when it's I, my voice pretty is pretty
0: When I come home, uh, I take all my stuff off, roll it up, stick it straight in the washer, you know, go shower, all that stuff. Um, by the way, all of us uh, are we're socially distancing right now. Yes. Stevie, Sissy and I are... Twenty-five feet away. Yeah. Each.
1: Yes. So, you so smart when you said to buy this extra cord, the, right? Yeah. The length, oh, the cord it, length. Yeah. yeah.
2: Extra cord Thirty cord. feet, though. And how did you know? <laughs> That's right.
0: I saw this shit coming. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: Not like Mr. Trump did. Yeah,
0: I like it. So uh, for the folks listening, our, our intent is to have a random question for our guest every time they're on. Um, a random question that they don't know that we're going to ask okay.
2: them. Oh, that sounds like fun.
0: And um, you know the,
2: answer, the answer is syphilis.
0: The answer is always syphilis, right? It's, and so um, I'll... Uh, I'll ask something. If if Stevie, you ask something, you know we might we haven't we have so we should actually discuss this before. Uh,
2: they didn't discuss it with me.
0: No, we can't discuss it with you. Awesome. So you got you got one. You want to ask her? No, go ahead. So I haven't uh, worked in the emergency department since I was in medical school. I do remember that people come in infrequently. But each time they do, it's really interesting with some sort of weird foreign object
1: what? stuck in their
0: body. And so, what's the weirdest thing that you have? Are you talking to me or sister? Not what have you. What's the weirdest thing you've stuck in Stevie's body right
2: now? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Now so. it's that kind of party. What do you think? You know, I think I think that's the that's the party question I have to deal with. Other than, hey, what's it mean when a guy doesn't have a sperm count? I've had that one before too. That was
0: that was going to be my next question. Yeah.
2: So the foreign body thing is actually fascinating, and even amongst doctors, we, in emergency medicine, um, kind of think about those things um, as intriguing. Um, but people are just odd, you know? Um, um, let's see if I can think of the most. Part.
0: Well. It, it's interesting that you have to go through the entire uh, library catalog, of things yeah, that you found. It's interesting
1: to me that that's the question that you had. I don't know. It's the first thing Everybody that has
2: that question.
0: See? Uh, Maybe you're weird for not so thinking
2: I'm going to tell you, <laughs> coat hanger in the ear.
0: Cone hanger in the, in the ear.
2: ear. <laughs> hanger in the ear.
0: Why? In the, in the ear lobe or like past the ear? No, in the ear,
2: in the ear, in like an eardrum. But why? That's, what, that's the perfect answer, but why? Trying He'll to kill him. himself. No. Just held it up to his ear and thumped it because it made a cool sound. <laughs> he thumped it a few more times and it made a cooler sound and it was a coat hanger that kind of partially unwrapped. Holy shit. And he thumped it, and it poked oh my him in the
0: And he came in like that?
2: He came in just like that.
0: Anyway, all right, all right. well, look, it was, say, uh, this was he thanks for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thank you so much. And, so well, and I mean, you know, you've been waking up at all random hours of the day doing this nonstop now for the last few weeks, and I'm not sure it's stopping anytime soon.
2: It's ramping up. It's going to get worse, a lot worse before it gets better.
0: So thank you for doing this. And I'd like to, if you both are okay with it, me imposing on you all's time after hours and doing this again, maybe in a couple of weeks, just to see where things are.
2: Especially when Morgan kicks you out of the house because you have a fever.
0: I will come here February.
2: You stay downstairs.
0: We're downstairs now.
2: I know you're going to stay down there. (laughs) Keep your mask on. Stay over there 25 feet away.
0: Anything anybody needs to know before we go off there? What do you think? Wash your
2: hands. Stay home. Stay away from other people. That would make me really happy. I'm going to work every day risking my life, my family's health, and the lives and health of all of my coworkers because we want to take care of our people, which is you.
1: Yep. Thank you for all the professional workers.
2: For sure.
0: Excellent. All right, everybody. Have a good night.